0: Welcome back, David. It's good to have David back, right? The good news is we had great music and worship in your absence. The better news is you're back again and you'll elevate it once again, and we appreciate that. David's back and the Cindy's are going, one to be nurtured and taught and to come back and be able to lead more effectively in the church she so loves and the other two, for some reason, Cindy Johnson always feels like she needs a week's vacation after VBS. I don't know what that means. I don't know. I think it's because her husband is only available this week probably, right? Maybe that's so, Tim. Maybe that's so. I'm overwhelmed this morning. I really am by this congregation. I don't believe, in fact, I know I have never been a part of a congregation quite like this when it comes to VBS. Now, I've been in some great churches where VBS has been celebrated and numbers have been huge and people have thronged to the buildings and uh, people were stressed beyond limits. But I've never been in a congregation before this one when we could have 150 students and 135 volunteers. You must be overwhelmed by the presence of God in your life if you will come and line up beside each other for your moment to minister when that moment comes. You must be overwhelmed by the presence of God in your life if you're so willing to come when you know that they could, quite frankly, possibly do without you, not any of the cooks, but the rest of you. (laughs) You must be overwhelmed when you'll come and you'll dress up like you're climbing Mount Everest in 90-degree weather. You must be overwhelmed when you'll do the boogie in front of everybody else with mostly unashamed presence. You are a congregation who loves its children and its youth, and I thank you for that. You're to be commended for that because it's a reflection of who God has been for you that you can be God for others. So when I try to decide how to preach this This week's message, because Cindy had kind of said, are you going to preach about VBS? And Lauren had said, are you going to preach about VBS? And I looked at that array of scriptures and topics and said, well, I don't know. I've been talking about the Spirit for a while now, and I kind of had another sermon planned, but I kept on thinking about it during the week, and about the middle of the week, I thought, okay, I'm going to preach on that text. And I got brave enough to tell Lauren, and once you tell Lauren something's going to happen in worship, it's going to happen in worship. (laughs) It may be bad, but it's going to happen. She will put it right there for you. So as I thought about what was the VBS lesson for parents and for this congregation out of this week's message, I came to a little bit different conclusion than I thought I would when I began, but here we go anyway. Let's start with a definition because we need to be clear about challenges in our lives. A challenge is something that's sometimes seen as a contest. Sometimes it comes as an objection. Sometimes it comes as a dispute. A challenge is an invitation to a contest sometimes. Sometimes it's an act of defiance when we are challenged. But sometimes we are simply challenged in order to summon an answer because we believe that what we're seeing is not truth. And yet every time we experience a challenge, in whatever form or it comes, whether it's an adjective or a verb or whether it's a noun, it is, in a sense, can be perceived as an obstacle. It also can be perceived as an opportunity. If the great and mighty power of God is available to his children at all times, then shouldn't that make almost every challenge an opportunity almost if not every challenge an opportunity not by design as if God is somehow putting us through the ringer so that we'll need comfort no but rather an opportunity to experience comfort in the midst of days when we are really low and we have many reasons to be low right I mean things happen in this world in fact that's where I want to start Challenge is so important because life itself is a challenge. If you think that life is not a challenge, it's because you're very young, or very blind, (laughs) spiritually and physically. Life is a challenge. It has always been that way. Now it's true that the context for life changes. They used to well, you can see great changes in our in the people across the world in 50-year blocks, even greater changes sometimes if you look at history in 100-year blocks. But we happen to be living at a time and age in which we are experiencing great challenges, sometimes in 10-year blocks of time. Sometimes they're saying now even in five years. In fact, many people now will not make out a business plan any longer than five years. Why? Because the world five years from now will not be the world that it is today. That's how fast things are happening. Now, some of us, some of you who are older than I am, that's probably a problem for you. I'm so young, that's not a problem for me. But the reality is, uh, when things go really, really fast, even the speed of things becomes a challenge, doesn't it? All you have to do is invite your grandchildren to stay overnight a few nights, and you'll know what a challenge your parents are facing every day, one you've probably forgotten until they go home and you go plop down somewhere and go, whew, they almost killed me this time. That four-year-old and six-year-old is more I could t- than I could take. But challenge comes in life. And how we handle challenges is one of the great determinations of our future and how we experience it. Everybody is challenged. Everybody is challenged. We're challenged by who we are, We're challenged by our abilities and our lack thereof to meet sometimes the challenges that come our way. Every one of us. Sometimes we're challenged by our IQ. You say, what do you mean? I mean that some people are not blessed with the ability to think like others. I also mean that sometimes we're challenged by the size of our heart. Not literally, but figuratively. I know some really smart people, and they have a heart about this big. Sometimes, some people have a huge heart and a huge intellect. Aren't they fortunate? They also have a huge responsibility to use all that God has given them For God's work on this earth. In fact that's our challenge for every one of us. We are challenged as children of God. To reflect who we say we are to the world. And that's one of the reasons. Life is not just challenged by things that go on in life. But life also challenges us. It challenges us as believers. It's almost like there's a constant person. And we know who that person is. Following us around. Ready to challenge us at our weakest point. At the place where we're most easily tempted. For instance, this week we're eating. And it's a challenge if you're built a certain way to get in and out those folding tables that are down there at the cafeteria at CCA. I won't name any names about persons more challenged than others, but let's just say it's a challenge. And then in the middle of the week, right when you think you're doing pretty good on on mounting the food challenge, Susanna comes along and bakes cookies Two nights in a row. Have you ever been into a cookie that's chocolate chip and the chocolate is kind of running out? They teach you how to do that at culinary school, I guess. And then there's the snickerdoodle that, well, it's, we're going to order them regularly for the staff <laughs> because we need them so badly. And we know Susanna has nothing to do but to cook for us. Or how about pizza? That Lindy served up. (laughs) We get a lot of pizza, right? This pizza, specially prepared, homemade bread. Oh, my word. Now, I already love pizza unspeakably. But homemade pizza that didn't taste greasy? Oh, my word. Not that that's a challenge for me because I'm in perfect health in size and shape. But for some of our weightier members, that was really hard. Challenges come to us all. The kids have been celebrating something we want to teach our young children because it 's important that they fasten these concepts into their minds and hearts early because the world and Satan is going to challenge every one of these beliefs. the belief that God will provide for us and God has the power to do so. The belief that God will comfort us the the belief that God will heal us and has great power to do so. That God will forgive us and has great power to do so. That God will love us forever. Jesus even promises us an eternal home in John 14, through 3. Some of you are wondering, are you going to read any scripture? Everything I say is based upon the Bible this morning, except the cookie part. <laughs> Bread is okay. It's covered in scripture. This is what you call a Christian sermon rather than a sermon on a text, right? So what is it I want to say this morning? Some of you have been here many, many hours this week. I'm not going to keep you many, many hours this morning. But I want you to know things so that when challenges comes, you'll remember things because it will color and guide your response to the challenges in your life. These are theological concepts to some some sense and some of them are just practical concepts. Truth that is gleaned from the whole of scripture. First of all, I want you to know that you live in a challenging culture to your faith. The world is trying to convince Christians that Jesus is not the only way. The world is fixated on trying to convince us that Christianity is a great religion among many. And not that unique. They're determined to do it. Because it threatens them. If they, when they believe that only one way is the way. Think about that. And when you walk around and call yourself Christian today in today's world, you will be challenged because Christianity means you are a follower of Jesus Christ as the son of the only living God. You need to remember that. You also need to remember that there is someone whose every waking thought, and this one never sleeps, is to challenge you so that you might fail. So that you might bring dishonor to God. To challenge you in such a way that you might even give up on your faith. Think about the very first challenge in scripture to Adam and Eve. God told you that that fruit is bad for you? That's not true. Look how good it looks. It's good for you to eat. When you eat it, you'll be like God. That's why God didn't want you to eat it. a very lie of Satan tempted and tested occurred according to the story of the Scriptures. And from that moment on, and this is something you really need to remember in terms of God's power, reality changed. We were not God's children put in a garden where we could live forever. In fact, I read somewhere by someone this week that it was never God's intention that we live in a perfect world. Well, that's just wrong biblically. God actually put the first humans in a perfect place where everything they needed was provided and everything they would ever need was right there and they would never taste death right there if they could do one thing and that was obey God. Love God so much that you would obey God. That's, that's all they had to do. Everything else was provided. So when you get sick, just blame it on Adam and Eve. Because sin and sickness was then turned loose in the world. I would not be sick, except with eating too much food and never going obese. Had they not messed up, I could have had all the snickerdoodles I wanted. Bummer. Think about it. A world where there was no sin and the concept was you'd live forever. So that's where we get to the real meaty things here as this evil one is tempting us. We have to remember that sin is real. And so is death. Sometimes we Christians act like the rest of the world, like we don't expect to die. Well, if there's anybody here who's not expecting to die, talk to me, please. Let me assure you. You're going to die. Everybody is going to die unless Jesus returns and takes you straight to the eternal hereafter. And we've been waiting for that to happen. I know some think it's getting close now. Some thought it last year, some thought it five years ago. In fact, people have been thinking that Jesus was going to come back any moment since St. Paul was teaching and writing scriptures. That doesn't mean he won't come tonight. I don't think he'll come this afternoon. Because we've got a party at the pool. I don't think he'd interrupt that. <laughs> but it could be possible that he could come this afternoon. Who knows? We don't know. He could come at any moment. Because sin is real and God is going to fix it permanently, finally, when he creates a new heaven and a new earth. But he has not done that yet. But death is real and so is sin. And one caused the other. And we need to be clear about that. There is a sickness unto death for us all. It's important that when we walk through that veil that separates this world from the next, that we walk through as believers in Jesus Christ. It's a challenge to look death in the face and say, I'm about to take a vacation. Don't use the word death or say, I'm about to get freed from this body that's holding me back. Don't be afraid of physical death. It's going to happen. You can just accept it right now. You can worry about it all your life if you would like, but you won't change it. You're going to die. The good news is, at the moment you die, you're going to be made alive. And you're going to be with Jesus Christ, your Lord, your Savior. And all others who have died before you, who died in faith. So, sin is real and death is real. My uncle finally looked at me that day in the hospital and he said, I don't want any more exercise. I don't want any more food. I don't want any more drink. I'm tired. I'm ready to die. And I said, really? He said, really? And I said, okay. About five days later, he went to be with the Lord. Peacefully, quietly, not eating or drinking, ready to meet his Lord. He was ready to go. That's the way we should all go when we get older. We don't need to fight against death. Death is our friend as we get older. Death encompasses who we are in a new body that will live eternally without sin in the presence of our creator so yes God is a mighty power and yes God's providence is real he does care for us but so is free will and I resent it when the free will of someone else messes up God's providential intentions for me don't you you know what I'm talking about God wishes you happiness and joy and somebody keeps making you miserable (laughs) because of free will God's providence and control of the world is complete and yet not fully in place at this moment because he's turned most of life over to our free will. God doesn't intend you necessarily to die today, very many of you, but I guarantee you this. If you go and stand out on the, on the toll road in the middle of the highway and step in front of a car, I promise you this. I'll see you when I get to heaven. Because you will have just thwarted God's plan for you and God's providential care for you by doing something stupid. Stepping in front of a truck to see if you could live another day. Yes, I know my good friends, some of them would say, well, God always intended for you to step in front of that truck. (laughs) I just don't believe that. And I don't believe the scripture teaches that. But I do believe this. Free will is real. So if you do something dumb... There are consequences to be suffered by those actions. They will come. They just will. God made the world that way. And God is trying to take care of you, but you have to cooperate with God's care, right? Because if we don't cooperate with God's care, it would be like, as I've told my family, it's when they would be hard on me about my one little problem, my one little sin, being a little overweight. <laughs> I hear you chuckling. And I told them, I'm going to die anyway. If I would go on a diet I've heard called the wheat belly diet, there's a book by it. My wife successfully lives by that motto, and she's slim and trim and looks 20 years younger, and that's great. That's great. But if I have to live on that diet, I'm going to need to be really, really hungry. Seeds and weeds are not quite enough for me. Just not quite enough. Just not quite enough. I'm glad they're enough for Sally. Don't get me wrong. I like the way she looks. But if I don't eat seeds and weeds and leave this world a little older, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. You said, well, how much older? Well, I'm not bargaining for that. My grandma was this tall and this wide, and she lived to be 84. Now, now, for all you 84-year-olds plus, I apologize. 84 doesn't sound like a bad number to me. It doesn't sound like a bad number. I mean, some of the, where the Bible talks about 70 years. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to go this week. But free will is real. Miracles are real. But God does not always miraculously intervene in the midst of our stupidity. God does not always miraculously intervene in the sinfulness of the world. There are still floods and tornadoes that take people's lives. I would contend those also are because of of sin, original sin that's in the world. I would contend that when you see sickness and illness, you're seeing the result of sin, and they're real. God, sometimes when we pray, for someone to be healed on this earth. Sometimes they are. And it is heavenly. But is there anyone here. Who has ever prayed for someone who is ill. And not seen somebody. Go on to be with Jesus. Despite you asking for a miracle. The world would say see miracles aren't real. I would say no miracles are real. It just in this case. For some reason I'll never understand we didn't get a miracle here on this earth but we still got a miracle when they were healed in death. Because you see we're all forgiven and when that time comes to die if we're believers and followers of Christ when that time comes our healing is complete. And we are well and it is well with our soul. Miracles are real but remember Because if you don't remember, if you don't remember, then that evil one will come into your head and say, see, if God was real, he would have healed and answered your prayer. If God could heal, he would have healed your loved one. They would not have perished. That is the lie of the devil whispering in your ear trying to get you to not believe. But instead, as believers, we exercise our trust in God when our faith is challenged, because the love of God is greater than the challenge of Satan and should always be so. And finally, God acts but He calls us to act as well. Prayer is essential in the life of the church and the life of individuals. But our actions are also essential. We must be faithful. We must do the work that is called for as individuals and as a church if we're going to receive the full blessing of God. God rarely provides in a vacuum, but usually provides through others as well as through miracles. So you say, So what's the point of this sermon? The point of this sermon is to say we need balance, we need boundaries. We need to know that love is not exclusive of everything else we're experiencing. We need to know that when we are struggling with life and we're being challenged, that it is about us and it's about our faith or someone else's faith or lack thereof. We need to know when we're challenged that despite what happens within our earthly sight, God is still seeking to provide for us even in the midst of our need. We need to believe... That even though we don't have the new car we want, that the one we got is still part of God's provision. We need to believe that we may not have the best job in the world, but it's still a job that is providing for us. We need to believe that God provides for us in every way at all times, but it is essential that we do this and this, receive it, and acknowledge God has given it to you. We need to acknowledge there is a difference between a want. And a need. And most of us in this United States, we have a lot more wants than we have needs. I should have gotten an amen there. We need to remember that we are the most blessed nation the world has ever known. Our poverty is better than most people have the opportunity to live. Think of that. Oh, I know you want better things than that. I want better things for you than that. God wants better things in general for you than that. But we still are participators with all kinds of boundaries, with all kinds of opportunities to exercise our free will. This is kind of a not as much fun as what the children's VBS was. You see, they got just the strokes to learn, to fasten in their heads and their hearts. We as adults know that there's a pause after each one of those phrases that we taught the children. It doesn't always turn out that way because of things like sin and temptation and our unwillingness to cooperate because of natural disasters that are a result of sin. We all know that, but we don't need to teach that to our children when they're this tall. We just need to teach them the basic principles because when they get older in youth, Nick is going to straighten all that out for them. (laughs) That's Nick's job. He's, he's got it. Oh, my. Oh, my. I might be the next week's sermon. I'm not for sure, but I might have to change it. But the reality is that God is with you and God is good. And he's cooperating with you and trying to help you in every event in your life. Thank you for teaching our children. Thank you for raising them in the home where faith is celebrated and love and forgiveness are shared. Dear God, bless this congregation who's gathered here this morning. If there's someone here today, Lord, who doesn't know you, if there's someone here who doesn't have a church home and they're looking for one, we invite them to come and be a part of this one, this place where you've gathered believers together. Bless us now as we stand and sing our closing song together that we might worship you and the God that you are. If we ask it in Jesus' name.